You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of WCG Radio, Windy City Gridiron's Bears podcast. With you, as always, your host, Robert Siglinski. And today, we're going to continue my NFL 2018 NFL preview series with each of the Bears' 13-2018 opponents. We've already gone through the Packers. We've gone through, we've gone through the Patriots. We've gone through the Dolphins. And up next on the docket is the Jets, who the Bears will face. Uh, this year, on this year's Halloween weekend, that's when Chicago will break out the orange jerseys. I know all of you are absolutely obsessed about that. I am nowhere nearly as passionate about. It's just a uniform, and I don't really, I'm not really fond of them. But nevertheless, they're going to play the Jets. They might even play a rookie quarterback then. Uh, who knows? To discuss this, to preview the matchup, to break down New York's 2018 offseason. Uh, join uh, joins uh, joining me rather. Sorry, is Green Green Nations SB Nations Green Green Nations uh, McGregor Wells. Uh, uh, his byline on the website is Smack Dad McGregor. What's up? How you doing today? Uh, doing well. It's very rainy here in Chicago, which it's actually kind of calming. It's not like nothing too heavy. I kind of like it. But I'm beautiful. Doing... How about you? Sunny day, beautiful weather in New Jersey here. Beautiful weather. Let's jump right into it, McGregor. Uh, coming off of a fourth place finish, five and eleven season. I think for some people, at least what I see off of the national conversation, that was kind of that kind of exceeded expectations what the Jets were supposed to accomplish in twenty seventeen. Um, to me, and I'm going to kind of gauge this. Uh, it, it seems to me that in a year or two, the Jets should be in prime position to develop an actual AFC contender, especially with Sam Darnold now in the fold. Um, real yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's interesting that uh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. That's perfect. It, it's interesting that uh, the Jets exceeded expectations and, and finished last. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a sad state of affairs. But, yeah, it's all about the quarterback in the NFL and Sam Darnold – uh, depending on your point of view, could be the best quarterback in this draft class. Many think he might be the best quarterback in a few draft classes. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But um, it's uh, possible that if Sam Donald develops into the quarterback that the Jets hope he will, and they get a little bit more help on defense, they could turn into a contender. We'll see. How far away in your mind – I mean, you, you can frame this any way you want. You can give me a timeline. You can say what, they, what else they need to do, how long this is going to take, whatever – how long do you think New York is away from working the AFC East? Because obviously this is a division that the Patriots have owned for a while, but it doesn't seem like they're going to they're going to last much longer with Tom Brady. It should be only a few more years. Um, so what else do the Jets need to do to finally become that prime team? I think they need to find uh, a couple of pass rushers. They really don't have any. Um, uh, maybe uh, one more uh, stud in the defensive backfield. Mm -hmm. and, um, and upgrade uh, the two tackle positions on the offensive line. If those things are upgraded and Sam Darnold works out, 
uh, it, it's, a, it's a go for the Jets. But of course, we're talking about the premium positions. It's not a so exactly. Yeah, easy. the three most important positions in football. They only need two tackles, a couple great pass rushers, and they need Sam Darnold to be great. They only need that. They only need that. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, moving over to Todd Bowles, uh, he was originally, he was kind of on the hot seat last year. I don't know if it was blazing or anything, but it was he needed to prove something with the Jets. Um, exceeding those expectations, having that five and eleven season actually earned him a contract extension. Um, so my questions here for you are: Would you? So let's start with this. Would you have given him that extension, McGregor? Uh, no, I wouldn't have. I would have played out this season and see how it went. Um, Todd Bowles has gotten the players to play hard for him. That's in his, that, that's to his uh, to, to his credit. But um, mm-hmm. you've never really seen him. Um, you know, sometimes you see a, a team just outcoach the other team, and you don't really see that with the Jets too often. He was also brought in as a sort of a defensive guru, um, and was sort of sold as you know the one of the most creative young minds, defensive minds in the NFL. And his defenses have not been great. Now he hasn't had terrific talent, but you also haven't really seen him scheme things to where you know you, you say, "Wow, he he really did a terrific job that day." So I'm not saying he's a terrible coach. I just sort of feel like he's a middling coach and. Let's see how he does. Give him one more year, and then reevaluate. I would not have given a two-year extension at this point. What beyond those concerns? So beyond beyond him not living up to his original billing, um, why do you think the Jets did it? Um, is it as simple as him exceeding expectations? I don't think that that that, that doesn't seem like a very high bar to clear. It seemed like they wanted to ha- establish some stability, and that you know they had just uh, fired. Uh, a coach and a and a, and a, um, a GM uh, recently in the past, and they just, they don't want to keep on doing it every two or three years. So it seemed like they felt like okay, this GM and this coach have been okay. They haven't been great. They haven't been terrible. They've sort of been middle. And let them grow in the position, see how it works out, and let's establish some stability here. That's that's the only explanation I can give you. On a scale of one to ten, how confident are you that he could or that he could be the one to steward this? defense into into becoming a contender and to be and to sam darnold becoming an elite quarterback scale of one to ten uh 10 being obviously you know absolutely ecstatic and like oh he's gonna absolutely do it and then one like he'll be fired halfway through the season i'll give you a six i'm slightly positive on him okay okay um moving over i've seen a lot of uh, murmurs about Teddy Bridgewater being the talk of minicamp for as much as and McGregor, it's kind of ridiculous. It's minicamp season. People are looking for a story. Like the, no one's playing in pads. You can't, I don't, I don't, I don't see how anyone could properly evaluate anybody, even skill positions. This isn't exactly the most high intensive football. Um, but it's uh, reportedly I've seen that he's been playing well. Um, what are your expectations for the formerly injured quarterback, especially especially in the event that Darnold doesn't start right away? Is Bridgewater that bridge? Is he a good? Is he a bridge with not no pun intended that you feel good about? <laughs> if if his knee is healthy, uh, he's the best quarterback on the team right now. Um, but we'll see if his knee is healthy. He's, he's um, you know he, he had a pretty promising start to his career. Nothing you know earth shattering. He didn't wasn't all pro or anything, but. You know, for a rookie and a second-year player, he actually did pretty well. Um, they didn't give him a lot of chances in the red zone, so you don't see high touchdown numbers from him in, the, in his first two years. But 
um, you know, what, with what they gave him, I thought he was a, a pretty good quarterback. And so um, if he's back to what he used to be, I think he's probably the best quarterback on the roster and a perfect bridge for Sam Darnold. But, um, you know, we, that, that needs to, has to, we'll see how it holds up when he gets hit. How much stock do you put? Do you? Because I just, I kind of just ripped it. How much stock do you personally put into any of these mini camp reports? Like, are you quietly getting excited, or like, oh wow, or are you just like, oh wow, great story doesn't really mean anything? I'm sorry. Could you rephrase the question? I didn't get that all. Um. So, how much stock? Like I just mentioned, I kind of ripped it. How much stock do you put into the reports? Is this something that you get excited about when you hear someone like Bridgewater playing well, or no? Are you taking everything with a grain of salt? Well, the Jets had 10 OTA practices, and um, the reporters saw three of them. So you're talking <laughs> reports of three OTAs. I mean, how much stock can you put in that? Let's put it this way. If you had a regular season uh, schedule and you had three practices. up in, in three practices. And by the way, he only lit it up in two. One of the practices he did fairly poorly in. So... Would you say, wow, I'm really excited about that? I wouldn't. Okay. Um, as far as Sam Darnold, so he's the future, right? He's obviously going to take over eventually. Do you start him day one? Why or why not? Well, I think it depends on whether you think he's ready or not. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to start him day one. I think the Jets would like to start him day one. Um Generally speaking, uh, guys who are drafted as high as Darnold was drafted get, get to start very early. Um, but Darnold is a very young quarterback with not a whole lot of experience, and he did get to comfortable uh, getting him in there. But uh, yeah, I, I think everyone wants him to start day one. I just don't know if they think they're going to be. He's going to be ready for day one. Um, do you think Jets? are currently equipped to actually build around him because i'll be honest i mean i'm looking at the roster trying to build up this preview trying to build up some topics to discuss with you and i'm looking at the receiving options the jets currently have um and i tugged my collar more than a few times because i don't i'm not I, I this this currently looks like one of the one of the um worse off receiving cores in, in the league in terms of and it's not exactly a, an area for a young quarterback to particularly thrive? Well, the, the, Jets, the Jets' receiving core has been much maligned. I, I don't know if that that's, is very accurate. Um, the Jets okay. have uh, a guy who's, who's had 1,000 yards in the last two years, a guy who's had 900 yards in the last two years, and two guys that have had 800 yards in the last two years. Who are these, who are these names? Just, just the NFL has that. There's no team in the NFL has that, that company. But who are but who are these names? The has had I'm sorry. Um, Terrell Pryor is the thousand yard receiver. Uh, <clears throat> Robbie Anderson's nine hundred yard receiver. Quincy Anunwa and uh, Jer Jeremy Curse are the the, the uh, eight hundred yard receivers. Mm -hmm. And um, no team in the NFL has that. No team in the NFL has had four of those guys in the last five years. Um, so you know. It's true that the Jets don't have that stud, that Julio Jones, that Antonio Brown, whatever, um, but they have a very deep core of, of four, four deep of, of receivers that are at a minimum wide receiver twos in the NFL. And I at least Anunua Robbie Anderson have wide receiver one uh, capabilities um, if things go right. They're young, they're developed. 
interesting, and I think they're very talented. So I disagree with the fact that, that well, 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 not a fact, the opinion that a lot of people have that the Jets' wide receiver core is somehow deficient. I think the wide receiver core is actually one of the strengths of the team. I'm gauging here that to you, you'd, you'd rather have kind of the, num- the number twos and number threes the Jets currently have rather, instead of an Antonio Brown or Julio Jones. Do you think that's more conducive for a young quarterback? No, I don't. I, no, I mean, obviously anyone would prefer to have oh, a Julio yeah, Jones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but when, when you think about the Jets, maybe they have a terrible wide receiving core, they don't have anybody he can throw to. I think that's a lot of nonsense. I think they have a bunch of guys that are good receivers that are minimum wide receiver twos. Um, and you don't see that a lot in the NFL. You see one wide receiver, one wide receiver, two, and, and a bunch of guys that are nobody who, who Jones or Antonio Brown, but I don't think it's terrible. I think it's actually pretty good. How do you let's let's paint the scenario that the Jets um, do start? Darnold day one and I'm sorry we keep going through this but he's obviously the primary story I mean he's you want him to eventually be the primary story McGregor um how do you ease him into the offense how do you protect him um how do you get him comfortable what would what what, what would your kind of game plan be what would your um timeline be um how do, how do you how do you get him ready and comfortable in the while, while he's kind of like getting that baptism by fire <laughs> I think you have to simplify the offense for him a little bit. I think you have to start out with the things he's most comfortable with, things that are similar to the things he did at USC, and then bring him along slowly with uh, more and more of the uh, NFL playbook. And in this respect, I think he's going to be at a bit of a disadvantage in that the Jets are planning on a West Coast offense and a lot of play-action passing, a lot of uh, under-the-center work, and he really hasn't done any of that before. So um, I think he's under uh, a little bit. Eight ball, and they're gonna have to bring him along a little slowly if they're gonna have to if they um if they decide to start on day one. Um, uh, uh, hopefully they can have a strong running game where they don't set him up for a lot of third longs. But um, yeah, I, I think I think it's gonna take a few weeks. Acclimated, depending on your defense for a little bit, maybe keep in some extra blockers. Um, and uh, and bring the, the the passing game along slowly. Start him off with things he's comfortable with. Uh, I know this is a totally responsible thing to ask in June. What would you gauge being the win difference between Bridgewater and Darnold? So if Bridgewater ends up getting majority of the starts, how many games do the Jets – what's the Jets' record? And then if Darnold ends up getting majority of the starts, what's the Jets' record? Well, I think they already see the possibility the Jets trade Bridgewater. Um, and, oh, and okay. start the season as the number one. So we'll go through three different possibilities. If McCown gets the majority of starts, uh, that would be in the beginning of the season. The Jets' schedule is actually pretty easy in the beginning of the season. And then if you switch to Darnold, um, you probably get something like a, I don't know, five or six. Five, six wins, okay. He's going to be struggling in the easy part of the season and then hitting the tough part of the season when he starts to get acclimated where he's getting one after another play, playoff teams at the end of the season. So I, I can see it being a very difficult season as Darnold starts from day one. If Bridgewater starts from day one, if he's the same old Bridgewater he used to be, I could see from the Jets. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Um, what are these trade murmurs? Do you think there's a possibility of, of what could the Jets realistically uh, get for him? And then, and, and then who, who are some who are some teams you're thinking about being a partner here? I don't know that there's a lot of uh, teams right now that that need Bridgewater as, as a starter. Um, so I think what what will happen is let's see if somebody um, is not as good as they thought they were going to be. Let's see. And then at, in some time during training camp where they say, okay, because Bridgewater's only on a one-year contract and um, trade him there for this year and the next year, they're not, he's not the future for the Jets. Sam Darnold is. So right. when, nothing for him. If now I don't think it's easy to trade uh, Bridgewater because you're really talking about a couple of OTAs he looked okay in, but once you get into training camp and, of course, the, the preseason games, you, you showcase them. And if, if you get lucky and somebody, you know, has a quarterback go down, uh, maybe suddenly his, his, his trade value is pretty high. Okay. Interesting to know. I mean, when you have a starting caliber quarterback, it's always a, a good thing, especially if he's not the future because you can kind of build up a draft pick, especially if you don't waste that draft pick. So nice little position there the Jets have. Uh, McGregor, let's talk free agency. So <clears throat> the big fish, obviously, here, we'll go through everyone who the Jets actually acquired, um, but Bridgewater was obviously in addition. Uh, this past offseason, Morris Claiborne, former Cowboys cornerback, Isaiah Crowell, former Browns running back, Tremaine Johnson, probably the best or second-best corner, definitely one of the best that was available, uh, premier guy. On a big five-year, $2.5 million deal, uh, Spencer Long, Josh McCown returning, Terrell Pryor we already mentioned, uh, Avery Williamson. Uh, who do you expect to have the biggest impact in 2018 and then beyond that? Uh, well, it depends on if Teddy Bridgewater is the starting quarterback. The quarterback, uh, well, yeah, it's all, it always comes back to that. Yeah. yeah, if he's the starting quarterback, quarterback always has the biggest impact. So let's take the quarterback out of the equation. I think Tremaine Johnson is going to have the biggest impact um, because he's going to move uh, Morris Claiborne off to the second cornerback position. And that's a big, big uh, improvement for the Jets because Claiborne is probably not suited to, to uh, gulp up against uh, wide receiver ones um, throughout the season. But if you put him on wide receiver twos and have, have Tremaine Johnson uh, doing some press coverage on wide receiver ones, suddenly the Jets' uh, uh, secondary looks pretty good. Um, and if the two rookie safeties you know, improve a little bit, Warwick is last year, the second-year players this year. Um, you know, Marcus May and Jamal Adams, if they improve, uh, suddenly you're looking at a pretty damn good secondary. Um, so I think Tremaine Johnson is, is really key. Um, we'll see if he if he plays up to his capabilities. I think he's a really good press corner. I think uh, the uh, Rams didn't play him in press as much as they probably should have. But, you know, it, it's always a, it's always a, an adventure seeing how uh, free agents pan out because sometimes you think you got a good player and just they just uh, terrible in the new in the new system. They don't uh, they don't uh, 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 fit well with the team. They don't fit well with the scheme. They don't fit well with the coach. Whatever, and you think you got a great player and you turn out to have a terrible player. But I'm, I'm going with Tremaine Johnson. I think he has a, a chance to be to make the secondary really good for the Jets. Along those lines, um, you. The Jets do seem to be having quite the safety duo developing. Um, what's the ne- uh, we'll return to free agency in a second, but what's the next step for Marcus May? And then 
ideally, I would assume you want Jamal Adams to become an all-pro level safety. So what are what, what are the next steps for, for, for the, each of them, especially now that they're going to get to play with a premier cornerback like Johnson? Right. I think I think Marcus May has to um, has to finish. He has to. He had a really good first half of the season last year, and he fell off badly in the last half. I don't know if he got tired or what. Um, if he nagging injuries, I'm not really sure what happened. But he has to have a full 16 game season because if he had a if he had a full 16 game season like he had the first eight games last year, he's already there. But his last eight games last year were not good. Um, Jamal Adams was was pretty much what was expected, but you're going to want him to make more plays. He he was he was very good at, at what he did, but he didn't make a lot of plays. He dropped a few interceptions. Um, he he didn't have a lot of sacks. He, I mean, you're not expecting the safety to have a ton of sacks, but he he let people go. He he had a few too many ankle tackles. Um, I think Jamal Adams is poised to have a monster year if he can start to make a few more, uh, you know, big plays, which he he sort of just missed last year. Speaking of previously for the free agency, so back to free agency, Terrell Pryor was someone um, nice season in 2016, obviously a positive, um, but then he kind of struggled with Washington. But I mean, beyond disastrous year in Washington. This is a guy that was a former quarterback, but he's a fantastic natural athlete. So it's a kind of testament to him that he was ever able to really enjoy success with Washington, um, or rather in Cleveland. Um, Jets kind of taking a flyer here on him, and then him being a number one, or been being the number one in their offense. Um, what are your expectations for him? Do you think he can get back to that level in Cleveland with the Jets? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the number one in the Jets' offense, but he could prove me wrong. I mean, certainly got t- terrific natural abilities. Um, I think they're planning on him being a number three in this offense. I don't, oh, I think really? the top two I think are Quincy Nunwa and and and, and Robbie Anderson. Um, now that could change. You go into into training camp and and Terrell Pryor is lighting it up. That this is fl- a fluid situation because I think they have three receivers that are all similar in abilities, um, but. Pryor is coming off a, a down year, so I'm going to slot him in at number three right now. Um, now, the thing about Pryor is he's sort of got um, criticized for having a thousand-yard season two years ago, but being very inefficient, and that mm-hmm. he had a, t- a ton of targets. He had something like 140 targets to get to those a thousand yards. But what people forget is that the guy throwing him the ball most of the time was Cody Kessler, which is not exactly you know they, they, they talk yeah. about wide receiver efficiency, but that all goes back to the quarterback, doesn't it? I mean. When, when, when Josh McCown was throwing in the ball for four games, he had 300-yard games, and he had uh, almost a nine-yard-per-target average, which is enormous. Um, basically, he was an all-pro receiver with the four games McCown was throwing in the ball, and he was an okay receiver the rest of the year. Now, this year, is McCown going to throw in the ball? Is Bridgewater going to throw in the ball? I don't know, but um, certainly somebody better than Cody Kessler should be throwing the ball. So if his ankle is okay... Uh, that I think he's he's could definitely get back to being a, a monster receiver. Um, it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's it's, it's, it's anything etched in stone. He he could wash out too. He's he's apparently had personality problems in both his previous stops. So it may be that he doesn't play well with others. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, I think he's got the ability to to be a number one. We'll see if it, he puts it all together. The best descriptor here is cautiously optimistic. I'm assuming yeah. cautiously yeah. optimistic. Okay. Let's jump over to the draft, McGregor. Um, 
we've discussed Darnold, and we could talk about him even more, but we'll we'll jump back to him in a second to kind of give other guys a shine. I got to admit, I, I look at this class, and um, these are some guys that I actually liked a lot of sleepers. To me, it's, there's not the Jets only had six picks, so there's not much to choose from. Um, but I think they got decent quality if they're prepared to develop them. I really liked Christopher Herndon in the fourth round as a move tight end. Nathan Shepard as a defensive tackle in the third seems like a good slot. Perry Nickerson as a cornerback in the sixth. Um, how do you feel about this draft class and especially um, adding to the foundation of the Jets that are already establishing? Uh, I love this draft class. and, and uh, love it. Wow, okay. Well, I, you know, for, for where they picked. I mean, you, they didn't have a ton of high picks because they spent them all on, on Darnold. But right. um, for where they picked, I thought they got excellent value. Um, the, only, the only guy I would not have chosen if, if I were the Jets is um, uh, Trent Cannon, who I think is going to have a tough time making it in the NFL. Um, he's a, a, a scat back who really doesn't have any, any role, I think, in, a, in, a, in an NFL offense other than maybe returner. And so I don't know if I'd spent a, a six-round pick on him because I'm not sure he's even going to be an NFL quality returner. But, you know, the, the bottom line is, what do we know? The, the three years, it all changes, right? But right now, um, I like Nathan Shepard at, at the, in the third spot. I, he's, he, he dominated at his level of competition, which you expect him to do because he was, he was playing a much lower level of competition at, at Division III. Um, but um, he, was, he was enormously effective there. And, and when it came to the uh, – the senior bowl, he, he dominated there too. So, you know, he looks like he has the talent to play in the NFL. Um, and, you know, Perry Nickerson looks like a, an NFL uh, slot corner to me. Now, when we talk about what the impact will be this year, let's face it, the impact of draft classes, generally speaking, are almost nothing in the first year. It, it, right. New Orleans Saints had a great draft class last year and they had an impact. But generally speaking, your draft, your draft picks don't have much impact the first year. It's the second year where you start to see it. So I think this year, you're not going to see a lot of impact, but I have a, a high hopes for the future for these guys. Uh, besides Darnold, who do you think ends up being the best player of this class? But your, your bold prediction. We we're going to put it on record right now. We're going to put you on the spot, McGregor. The best player or the, uh, the best player of the Jets draft or the entire draft? No, no, no. The best player of the Jets draft. Best player of the Jets draft. Besides uh, Darnold. Besides I'm, I'm going to go with Perry Nickerson. I think he's a, he's a legit uh, slot corner, really good. Um, but we'll see. He's small. He yeah, he's small. Fits in well to that role though. Um, I like to uh, we we we've done free agency, we've done the draft. Now let's get to the actual Bears Jets matchup. They're gonna meet in uh, just before Halloween. Bears I mentioned earlier they're going to have the Bears will have their orange jerseys on. It's gonna be a very spooky atmosphere. I'm totally kidding. It's not gonna be like that at all. Um, <laughs> where Let's start with this. I would we, we'll just format it like this. Where can or where, where what should the Bears be concerned about in terms of the matchup where the, the Jets can exploit them? Well, you already know what I think about the wide receivers. I, I think you know. I'll I'll be honest with you. I'm not nearly as up up to date on the, what the Bears have done as what the Jets have done. So I'm just going to do this from a Jets perspective. I think the wide receivers might surprise you. Um, I think I think it. But the problem, of course, is. Let's say we have four wide receivers that can do the job in the NFL. The Jets are probably not going to play four wide sets very often. Probably not even three wide sets very often. So we'll see if those those having that depth of wide receiver even matters. But if you know they, the wide receivers could surprise you, um, and I think um, the the, uh, the secondary might surprise you. I think the secondary might give um, give um, Trubisky a bit of a hard time. 
Where do you think the Bears, what would you be concerned about if you're the Jets in comparison to the Bears? I'm sorry, say that again? Where can the Bears exploit the Jets? What, what, oh. what, what would you be concerned about from, from the Jets' perspective? Yeah, um, uh, for the Bears on offense, uh, the, the Bears and everybody else can exploit the Jets underneath passing game on, on offense. The Jets don't have anybody who can cover tight ends or running backs out of the backfield. That's the way to, to attack the Jets, I think, is they really don't have good uh, linebackers uh, to cover to cover guys. Um, and uh, uh, on, on defense, um, I think the Bears are going to uh, have an ability to, um, to to put some pressure on the Jets' uh, quarterbacks because the Jets' offensive line is is average at best and probably worse than average. Where does Leonard Williams factor into all of this? How uh, is he the kind of game breaker that can kind of tear the Bears? I'm not because from them, from my perspective, the Bears' offensive line isn't. I mean, it's okay, but it's not elite. It, it can certainly fall victim to. A talented pass rusher. I mean, I we he's certainly the best the Jets have. I, I'm guessing, correct? Oh yeah, Leonard Williams is going to be key to the Jets' pass rush. If the, if Leonard Williams can't uh, put up, you say double digit sacks, the Jets are going to have no pass rush at all. And of course, he's never done that yet. I think he has the talent to do it, but he had kind of a down year in sacks last year with just two sacks. He had seven the year before. Um, but Leonard Williams is a very talented player. It's just hard to get a lot of sacks from the interior line position. Um, so yeah, Leonard Williams is the key, and if the, if the, if he can't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, I think the Jets are in big trouble because I just don't think there's anybody else in this team that is going to even come close to a double-digit sack season. Outside of strengths and weaknesses, who's an underrated Jets name the Bears should 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 remember or be wary of? Someone that maybe someone that we haven't discussed yet. Bilal Powell. Bilal Powell is, is is maybe the best player the Jets have on offense. Um, he's he for whatever reason the Jets have never considered him a feature back, and they and I think they think he's too small to hold up to the pounding. But let me give you a, a, a stat that that probably you're unaware of. I won't speak for you, but just Bilal Powell has the highest yards per carry in the NFL for the last four years um, for any backs with 300 or more carries. Nobody in the NFL has 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 been, had a better yards per carry average than Bilal Powell, and and nobody knows this. They think he's yeah he's okay. He's, no, Bilal Powell is a very talented back. Right. Uh, he just doesn't get a lot of carries because for the Jets, for whatever reason, they've always said you're not a future back. I don't know why. I don't. I don't. I'm not doing predictions for these uh, summer preview podcasts. Those will come in moments we actually get to the week of week of each of these games. But McGregor, um, I'll do one prediction for you. So when the Bears and Jets meet, it'll be October 28th. It'll be week eight. Your prediction as to who the Jets starter is. Who are the Bears, who, who are the Bears preparing for at quarterback? Oh, I hate these. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. Let, let, me, let me put this from a global perspective. If you go on the, the Bears' websites, they'll take a look at the Jets and they'll say, that's a win, right? And if you go right. on the Jets, Websites. They'll talk with the Bears and say that's a win. Oh, well, I wasn't asking. I wasn't asking for a game prediction. I was asking who the Bears are preparing for in terms of who, who's going to who's going to be the Jets' starter quarterback in week. Ah, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. Um, I think by then it's got to got to be Darnold. Um, I, I just you don't pick a guy number three, trade away three second round picks to sit him on the bench all year. I I know it's possible. I just just NFL doesn't work that way anymore, does it? Do, do any guys get picked number three overall? Well, yeah, that's, that, that's the, that was the situation with the Bears last year, especially with Mike Glennon having ten turnovers in four games. Like 
there's no reason to, to play a bridge, especially if the bridge is inconsistent. Like, you're drafting the guy to play, and the less time he plays in his rookie season, um, the, the, the less prepared he is when it's actually his time to hand over the reins to him. Like, that was that was the, the mandate the Bears had. Like, I, I know there's uh, there used to be an old-school model of sitting the guy on the bench um, and then letting him learn, but the best way to learn is to actually play. That's simply not a viability anymore. People have, people have jobs in line, and, and, and quarterbacks can only get better by learning firsthand. So, I mean, I totally get it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they could surprise me, but I just don't see Donald sitting for even half a year. I think he's, he's by, by game eight, he's, come, he's playing. He's playing. So the Bears should be preparing for Donald, a nice little second-year, first-year quarterback matchup between Mitch Trubisky and Sam Darnold. Should be an underrated, fun game. Bears will be in their orange jerseys. Um, really don't know what to expect yet. The Jets will be working in a young quarterback, and the Bears will be in a new offense. But should be a fun game at the end of October. Um, McGregor, as I've told you in the show, I like, finish these off with a little non-football discussion. Um, some Incredibles 2 is out, or it's very new, new release. It's a sequel to one of the most popular Pixar movies of all time, The Incredibles. Um, they Probably, at least in my mind, in my opinion, um, the most innovative animated feature film company. Um, they haven't really done too many new ideas recently, but the quality they put out uh, is unmatched from my perspective. So my question to you is, um, and I'll let you fi- I will let you finish, but, so, but I'll, I'm going to pose the question so you can think about it if you haven't. What is your favorite Pixar movie and why? Um, so you think about that while I ta- discuss mine. Um, and I think from my perspective, uh, it's definitely Toy Story. I know that's the first movie that, that Pixar put out. I know that was their inaugural thing, so that's an easy answer. But I just think it's the perfect... I think it's the perfect animated movie. I think it's perfectly paced. It's well-written. It's got a stellar voice cast, Tim Allen, Tom Hanks. Um, I think the story that you can relate... I, I, almost anyone can relate to it, like your story, your, your toys coming alive and being relatable to that, that, that being relatable as a child. And it's still holds up. I mean, it came out in 1995, and it still holds up so well over 23, 23 years later. So um, I, I don't think any Pixar, perhaps really only The Incredibles, can touch it in terms of quality and originality. Like Toy, Toy Story, to me, is the perfect animated movie, and it's the best Pixar movie by far. I think Toy Story was a great movie. I'm going, going to go with The Incredibles. Uh, I, the Incredibles did things that... Um, that uh, I hadn't seen before in an animated movie, and and the, the, I loved, I just love the um, the sort of uh, <clears throat> the message that they said that they, if uh, if everybody is special, then nobody is special. And I, I thought that was really um, sort of a, a, an interesting take on 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 the on the, uh, the um, you know superheroes and and, and how <clears throat> maybe we need superheroes in the world, maybe we don't. But but if everybody is, you know, when you tell everybody, yeah, you're so great, you're so special, like somehow, you know, this whole self-esteem movement and, and that took off 20 years ago, whatever, you know, everything they do is they, they go to the bathroom, and it's like, wow, wasn't that terrific? You know, not everything is terrific. <laughs> Some things are just okay. Right. And, and Incredibles, I thought, had an interesting message where it's like, no, not everything's special, not everything's uh, super, not everything's incredible, but the Incredibles were. And I, I, I really, I really enjoyed that movie. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that morale. Not every, not everything is special. Not everyone is special, and that's fine. It's it's what you what you make of it in that scenario. I think it's an important message. I think each of Pixar movies, and we're not going to get into it. Obviously, we're not going to do a forty minute Pixar podcast, but they always. I think that the best thing that Pixar does, they always know how to tell a story and know how to convey something important about about some kind of like real life social issue in, in, in a fun way, in, in a fun, funny and entertaining way. Um, I mean, The Incredibles is an example of that. Toy Story is an example of that with your childhood. Um, I haven't seen Incredibles 2 yet, but I imagine it's a similar story and a nice evolution from the sequel 14 years ago now. I mean, I can't believe it, it took that long, but um, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, really good choices. I, th- I That's probably my number two. I, I I appreciate that opinion, McGregor. That is <laughs> my my son is now fourteen years old, and he's actually begging me to take him to the Incredibles. But I was so surprised. You know, when you're fourteen, you don't want to go to these things anymore. But he loved it so much, he wants to go to the Incredibles too, which it'll be fun. Yeah, I I, th- I think, and pun intended, he thinks it's incredible, right? Ha 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 ha. McGregor, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you offering the Jets' perspective. Um, really nice talking to you. Hopefully, um, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm speaking too far in advance, but we can do this once the actual game comes along and we have a little more information to work off of um, away from the offseason. We have more concrete football stuff to discuss. It would be fun. Yeah, I would, lo- I would love to do that. Thanks a lot. And good luck to your Bears this year. Yeah, good luck to yours too. Good luck to your Jets, hoping the – I'm I'm someone that I, I'm a known Patriots hater, so hopefully you know they at least get one over New England, maybe surprise some people. So one hundred known Patriots hater or fast friends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He is McGregor Wells. He is a managing editor for SB Nations Gate Green Nation. Uh, his byline on the website, in case you're not familiar, is actually smack dead. Um, offer great perspective. Uh, follow along with his work and everybody and every other talented writer there at Gang Green Nation, at SB Nation. A lot of great Jets analysis and writing and uh, overall content produced at the website. Overall, follow us on Twitter at WC Gridiron. Follow me on Twitter at Robert Zaglinski. We're continuing the summer preview series. We're a month away from Bears training camp. We're almost there, guys. Trust me, almost there. About eight opponents and through for Chicago. Uh, at any rate, hope you enjoy. Uh, hope you enjoy your week. Hope you enjoy the next few days. And stay classy, everybody. My heart skips skipping the beach You're not close enough So that space between you and me Let's lose it The way you're dancing Swaying to the music Girl, that body and how you move it Every time you cross my mind Girl, I lose it Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs Download the Amazon Music app today Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.